Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to week 11 of the Using Databases educa in Education class. This semester is flying, isn't it? I think we go up to what, week 17? That should, should be fun. You know what I'm going to do is I, I, I know that you're graduate people except, except for yourself, but I'm going to give each of you your very own EdTech minor bookmark. Now, these, these are few and far between. So you can take this, this coveted, coveted sample of the EdTech minor bookmark, and we have one for you too, doctor. Here you go. This is something you can show all your students, and when they're looking for some sort of minor, that's something you want them to see. I'm an alumni. You, and this is a, yes, and we have Andy here who is an alumni. He, he is a, and you're. Alumni of Tech Ed. Yep. Yeah. But you're over 21, so I don't know if it actually applies anymore. But, but anyway, so that's what we have there, and, and we've got a lot of great things happening in, in the EdTech minor. Um, okay, what I wanted to do is I want to start out with an incredible accomplishment that I've made this week. As you know, since the beginning of this class, 11 weeks ago, I've been trying to figure out how to podcast it. Now, presently, what we have is I have it set up so it streams. In other words, if you go to our website and you go to the recorded classes, and I know all of you have tried this, and you go down here, you'll find that when you click on one of these buttons, what it will do is it will bring this and it will start streaming. Unfortunately, this computer doesn't have much in the way of sound, so we're not going to hear much right now. Actually, that should, that should come up, shouldn't it, huh? Yeah. Uh, is that coming up? Okay. Well, maybe it's not plugged in. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you what. Anyway, but so that's, that's what you see happens. Now, I have added something new and exciting. How many of you use iTunes? Okay, this is what you can do. Now, unfortunately, this computer does not have iTunes, um, but I have information here as to what you can do. What you do is you go to this page, and if you take this XM, uh, have I iTunes open behind it. And if you take this XML, and you know how on iTunes down the left-hand side, it, it, one of the options is podcast on the, on the new iTunes, you can simply take this button and drag it. Actually, got to do a little faster. You can actually drag it over to the podcast, let go, and you will have subscribed to our podcast. Now, the way, the way as you know, the way a podcast works is that I have created a page that um, this subscription goes to. And what it will do is that anytime you turn on iTunes or whatever you're using for catching your, your uh, podcast, it will actually go out automatically and look for whatever you've put up latest. And if you don't have that on your computer yet, it will then download it directly onto your computer. And if you have your MP3 player attached to it, then it will put it onto your MP3 player. So this is something that you could actually use you know, um, as, as you're out walking or exercising or, or whatever. And I, something, something struck me this week, and that was that what this could do. Imagine it's, I don't know, 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, and all of a sudden you think, I haven't heard Dr. Z in a long time. And all of a sudden you need a Zeitz fix. Well, I mean, this is how you can get your Zeitz fix. You know, I mean, you're, we're never too far away. So, I think that's pretty important, and it's, it's, I have to tell you, it's a, it's a very incredible um, uh, accomplishment on my part because I, it turns well. 
get, getting getting the podcast thing to work is something I've been working on for three months, and finally it works. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I just got up to a point and I I just couldn't get over that final hurdle, and I got over the final hurdle a couple of days ago, and it feels great. So what we'll be doing is I'm also going um, I'm planning to take all of these other classes and putting them into a single file. So the whole thing would just be a single download. It wouldn't be a multitude of them. And hopefully that tonight, if I don't press any wrong buttons, then we won't have multiple uh, files tonight either. Okay. Before we get started, any questions? Okay. Well, what we're going to do tonight... Yes, sir? Your hands up? No, I'm okay. talking to the computer. Okay. Good. Good. Um, what we're going to do tonight, is, uh, we, we have Dr. John Henning with us, and hopefully you had an opportunity to review his article, but I have to tell you that if, <laughs> since tonight's the, the, uh, the night of a large project, uh, we understand if you didn't get to it, and I, I think he understands as well. Okay? He was basically using that as an introduction to the, the project that he wants to get us uh, working on. Um, I've got a, um, a phone call and an email into uh, Craig Barnum down in Cedar Rapids. I, we don't have a date for that uh, trip that we're going to be taking down there yet. You might want to join us. It's going to be a trip down to um, Community College uh, School District. And down there, if you want to see database-driven uh, work, er everything runs down there. It's a, it's a da data-driven decision-making mecca. And it just so happens that Craig Burnham is one of our graduates. And, and I happened to see him at an iTech conference down in Des Moines in early October. And so what we're hoping to do is go down there and spend, he's actually going to give us an evening tour on a Thursday night because that pretty much turns out the only time we can do it. We're actually going to replace one of these classes with the trip down there. I think it's well worth it. And, and then we'll all go out to dinner and, and talk about it even more. It sounds good to me. <laughs> so you're, you're welcome to join us, Dr. Henning, if you want. Um, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to start out by showing off what we've done. And so you can show off the, the database that you have and then... After we do that, Dr. Henning is going to introduce us to his ideas and things like that on, on data-driven decision-making and, and how you guys could help and the, the project that he'd like us to develop. Okay? Who would like to start? Anybody want to start? Okay. Why don't you bring it on up? Set it up? Huh? Lead us there, Spartacus. Lead us there, Spartacus. There you go. Okay, bring it on up and hook it on up. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Okay, I'll turn on a light so you can see. We're going to have a little bit of dead time right here because we got to set things up and get it going. Yeah, we really appreciate the way these Dell computers are set up, so you have to stand on your head to put the USB drive in them. Did it work? Yeah. Okay, there you go. I'd drag it onto the desktop. Okay. That way you're going to get a be better response from it. Okie doke. The same problem as we had before, so we're trying to organize 367 students, and I'm trying to pin it on there, in uh, a different groups of activities for the mini course day. 
And so um, I basically met with everybody in the uh, committee and uh, changed it quite a bit. So first thing I want to show you is the student info page. And it's changed. And to, of course. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm Rob Gingery. I teach eighth grade science in Charles City. And uh, this is my project. Now, I deleted all but 25 of my kids just to save time and save a little bit of headache dealing with all the different kids and the different things. So here's my primary and table. Please note that this stuff is not going anywhere but inside this classroom. Yes. Have, have the pri yep. And uh, what I have is I have my one through 25 records. I have their grade, homeroom, student number, the activity that they've been assigned, and so that I'm, I'm taking the premise that they've already signed up for this activity and we've assigned them their spot. Uh, the next field is medical concerns. Um, the next field is paid. Next is their parent contact in case the teacher would need to get a hold of their parent, and then of course their home number. So I have my 10 fields there. And uh, a couple hot, um, parts of this. Um, remember, I didn't type all their names and I downloaded them, imported them into Excel from our PowerSchool. So that saved me some time. Actually, I imported these first four um, fields. Uh, this one is a pull-down menu so that I can assign their activity. And um, we're actually added about eight or nine more activities since I made this, so we'll have to go back to you and change it. Uh, there, here's their medical concerns. So you can scroll down and put up their medical concerns. Um, and then paid is a yes or no button. And what I have it linked to, my relationship is, it's linked to the students record or put in their first, second, and third choices for that, for their activity. And so what we do is there is no way to to make it selected or give students priority over each other. So basically the committee decides and so we'll sit down together and we'll assign kids. And so the reason I wanted to put it underneath there is so that we can look at their three choices and I could just go, okay, well swimming's her first choice and we have an opening in swimming and she's never done swimming before. So we'll find swimming and we'll put her in it. And they're also gonna mark whether or not they've done this before in the past. Okay, and the whole premise here is so that the kids are encouraged to do new activities. So if we see a kid who's done swimming four, three years in a row or has a lot of experience doing it, we're going to try to put them in their second or third choice. Okay? So I was going to show you the relationships that I have. Let me close this one so I can bring that up. Here's the relationship. So we have a one-to-one -one relationship that can connects their student choices to their student info. And then we also have a one-to-many relationship between the activity and this, uh, the student or the activity and activity, since that one student can have more than one activity. Does that make sense? Okay, somewhat makes sense to me now. So the other field uh, uh, table that I have is, um, this is where they would, um, the table that basically regulates what activity their choices are, first, second, and third. And there's also the information in case I need to pull it up, so it's connected there as a sub table. Medical concerns, that's just a basically a table that I've put in those medical concerns so that they, the lookup field can refer to it. Uh, contact information. Uh, here I have the activity. The teacher is in charge of not teaching the activity, but the teacher in charge of organizing it and getting everything signed up. Here's my contact information, the contact phone number, contact email, and then the date that we contacted them so we can keep track of that. That was where we, we had a real problem last year because we two activities no one had contacted. We thought we had contact and we delegated the responsibility to someone and then someone dropped the ball and we didn't get them contacted until the day right before. So, And of course last is the activity with the cost, the teacher who's actually teaching it, um, the room that it meets in, and then the maximum number. 
And so. Is that five That's five. Yep. Um, I'm probably going to have to add two more. Although I'm going to have to add a transportation table, and I'm probably going to have to add a, a lunch table because I have to order sack lunches for all the kids. A lunch table. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I never got that until you said that. Um, <laughs> But the thing about lunches is that I have to, I gotta, some of these activities go outside of school, so I have to be able to identify what, how many lunches go where and who's in charge of getting those lunches and stuff. How, how would the lunches hook up with the rest of them? Um, I think I could probably connect the lunches to the activities so I, they could have a number of lunches per activity. Um, because we don't eat the sack lunches in the cafeteria, they take the sack lunches and deliver them to the room or the place where they're meeting. And so I'd have to be able to, to say, um, Roller skating is going to have 54 sack lunches, and it's this person who's in charge of getting them. Could that just be a calculation field that is placed on the activity page? Sure. And yeah. all you have to do is count all the mm-hmm. ones that have that activity? Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. Yeah, but a lunch table is so much more fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, queries. Uh, I made three queries, and the first one is calligraphy, and this would be an example of how to um, separate it according to who's in what activity. And so, and what I did was I just uh, made a criteria for calligraphy in the activity label. So it basically is everybody who's taking calligraphy. Now right now I only have uh, five people in there, but by the time I get 357 kids in there, I'm hoping to have quite a few more. And there'll be a max number per one so that once I fill them up, I'll know. Now we, we uh, give out information according to homerooms, so then I made a query to identify who's in which home, which what students in what homeroom? So here's all the students in room 107. Since we hand all this information out to them in their homeroom. And the last one is a query to see who's paid and who isn't paid. And so I try to try to draw all on the positive. So I'd post this uh, or make a report off this query so that I could post who's paid. So the kids who haven't paid would need to take care of that. So um, forms. This I really worked on. And I tried to make it as simple as I could. For some reason, I have a tendency to make things too complex. But I try to make them as simple. So here's their sign-up page. Here they have mini-course, and they have the directions. And um, what I got here is I try to make a little arrow to show them where they have to scroll to find their name. I didn't get it lined up perfectly, but I think it was pretty good. And then I also thought, as an eighth grader, they're going to do is they're going to scroll through here and have to find the cost. So I had fields made so that the cost would pop up as soon as they entered it. But then I thought, well, the kids are going to flip through this and try to find out which ones are the free ones. So I just took it and made a list so they can refer really quickly to them. So uh, I just want to make this as fast as possible. I still have the only concern that I have is, again, they can mess with other people's entries. So I have not figured out how to do that. But hopefully, if I can get a teacher to stand over them when they're doing it, they won't. So, and it also has a little check boxes that can tell me whether or not they've done the activity before. Okay? It's hard to find a graphics for this. Oh, I just closed the whole thing. I'm sorry. Uh, next. Um, the next form I put was contact information. So this would be for teachers as we make contacts or change contacts. We can enter that information really, really quickly. And so there we can scroll through all the different things. The teacher in charge, all the information from that one contact page. And last but not least is medical concerns. So this is for my nurse. So hopefully I can go down to her computer, put this up on there, and she can scroll through each of the students and label them as having some type of concern. So 
and I have to sit down with her and find out if there's anything I need to add to those concerns. Um, reports. I made three reports, and these are pretty much common to the ones that I'm hopefully going to be making. So let's say I have to tell all sixth graders what they're doing for many courses. And so what I've done is I've made a list of the name in alphabetical order, the activity they've been assigned to, whether or not they've paid, how much they owe, and what room they'll be meeting in. So hopefully they can, this is, they're not going to have any questions. So hopefully. Um, also, the next report would be like if, um, if I'm a teacher who's teaching calligraphy, then I could have all my students who enrolled in calligraphy, their grade, just in case I don't know them because, you know, I might have seventh or eighth graders that I don't teach, and then their homeroom that they're coming from, in case I would need to contact their homeroom and tell them a change or, or so on. And the last one was contacts. And uh, you know you can choose the different formats they're in, and I've used the, the same format for the first two reports, but I, I like this one because it gives me this, this nice space where they can, they can put information in a nice box so they're not writing off in the margins. And um, so if they do make changes or have any informa information they want, they can just write it in and then I can enter it. So, so that is pretty much it. So the changes I need to make before I actually use this is one, I want to, first of all, I want my kids to enter at this. I'm going to take one of my classes and actually have them enter mini course information. And I'm going to see what kind of questions they have and what concerns if they mess it up or anything like that. Yeah, I'm just going to have my first hour. Yeah, I'm just going to have my first hour eighth graders sign up for mini courses and see what kind of information is. I mean, if it comes out well, well, I have a part of them done already. Um, so that's one thing I'm going to do beforehand. The other thing is, like I talked about, we have to do a lunch section, whether it's a new table or just adding another another field, and also um, transportation. So uh, I also tried to make a web page with it, but the thing about the web page is it's pretty much the same. I mean, the kids can still change their information, so it's not making it any more user friendly. So. Uh, well, as I wrote up my explanation, I thought uh, the one realization I had is, is that everybody in my mini course committee, none of them are technology people. And so I'll be entering all the information and making any changes. And so uh, I wanted to make it so that I understood it, not to make it easy for everybody else to understand it and everybody else to do it, um, just because um, I don't think they're willing to do this. I also only have a limited number of PCs in my building. And so they don't even have a PC so I can use access on unless they go to a separate lab. So, no, we're talking teachers. teachers. So we we have a group of eight, about four or five teachers who are going to be working as a group to do that, and like. And you're saying they don't have technology background. Not really, no. But they have enough background to enter this, don't they? To be honest with you, I don't. Maybe one of them do, but I think two or three of them. If I if I gave them access to open up. I think even just trying to find the right table and enter information could be a challenge to them. So, um, one one lady right there, she still struggles with her email. So, and getting her attendance taken. So, um, and my role in this committee is just basically organizing the info. So. Questions, comments? Thank you. Thanks. I, I, I mean, I just always think that these are eighth graders who are going to be. Eight, sixth graders, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. So I try to make it as simple as I could. So.
Yeah, what I envision doing is taking, let's say, I take my first hour to, eight, to the library where I have a whole lab of, a lab of Macs and I have one PC that I've hooked up and put access on. And so what I want to do then do is do a, you know, a web quest or whatever, and I'll say, and then what I want to do is, you know, computers one through four, come over and fill out your mini core stuff and run them through. And then throughout the day, I'll do all my eighth graders. And I have the seventh grade teacher who's pretty good with technology. He, he volunteered to take his kids through, and I'm still trying to find somebody for sixth grade. So what we really need for a good interface is you need to have a page that just kind of opens up, mm -hmm. and on which we can do on the web. There, that's something that we may not get to in this, this, this class, but that would be handy. The capability is there to do it on the web, or simply make it so they open up. If you click on an icon, it'll take it up to a page that's a little bit more user user friendly. The only problem I had is every time I try to make a web page with, with this, uh -huh. it enters all of my activities as numbers. Really. Yeah, and I have them set as text fields, but it enters them as numbers. So when it pulls up on web page, like you know, maybe archery was number one, it just has number one. Which I could, I could put a template on there with numbers to the activities, but you know. No, you want to be correct. Yeah, I want. I don't want to fiddle with things. Okay, good job. Thank you. Was I supposed to hit record? No, don't touch. Okay, I didn't touch. You didn't touch anything. I didn't touch anything. Are the numbers still increasing on the next to record there, Andy? Yeah. We got dead air right now? No. And then my voice is bouncing up still. Okay, put on, put on the mic, please. Okay, so this is my, oh, my name's Andy Crum. Um, I started off with uh, the Digital Portfolios Made Easy setup, focusing in on standards, just trying to create a table for all the different standards for the state of Iowa. And this is what that one looked like. And what I did was I went through, and based on some of the new stuff I've we've been learning, created pull-down menus so that you didn't have to type in Iowa every single time. And then also, we put Wisconsin standards, and you know I find them. It shows that you can have multiple states in here and identify the standards that way. Also, for the purpose as well, teaching, I was going to type content in there, but so you can have pull-down menus for that. Also, for standard numbered as well, I just put in arbitrarily 11, just because depending upon state to state, they might be different numbers. A checkbox for standard met that I left in there thinking that I could do something that I ended up not being able to do. And that's one thing I want to be able to figure out. And you'll, you'll be able to see that later on. And then also I made a few different changes just because of the way that the different relationships worked out. I ended up having to put the standard number in with the criteria indicator. So it kind of negated two of the columns that I have. And it's just this kind of weird type of situation that revealed itself after trying to link all these tables together. And what this links up to is the uh, standards matrix, which is sort of this hub that allows you to see the artifact name, what standard it addresses, and whether it's been 
met or not, whether you've inputted all of the necessary reflective material. So that's the standards table. This is the matrix. This is the one it's linked to. And I found out as I was putting all this together that I hadn't, um, I don't have any artifacts to put in there. So I started randomly thinking of, oh, I need to see if this works the way I think it does. So I started typing in an artifact philosophy in the classroom. What standard does it address? Standard six, what criteria? 6A, and have I met it with a little checkbox there. And then this is the artifacts page. Now this is kind of in table form, it's very underwhelming. But what it has is an ID number, the name of the artifact, a caption, and then three reflective components, uh, describe, analyze, and plan. And then also something I've just started to mess around with, it's actually a, a field that's already preset to hyperlink. Now, what information you type in to be able to hyperlink to a folder, I still haven't figured out yet, but it automatically, when you start typing, creates a hyperlink. So that is very nice. But now if I can just remember what text you need to link to folders, then we'd have... Have you tried this? I folder name and then the correct backslash in order to navigate inside. And still haven't got it figured out yet. But So those are the tables. Then queries, I left uh, eight of them the same. These standard ones were from the, expand, from the personal database. And what these do is they allow you to see the standard number and then more in depth what criteria definitions there are. So, so for six, which is one of those, the artifact that I chose to reflect upon was creates a learning community that encourages positive social interaction, yada, yada. So you can actually see the criteria in detail what uh, standard you're addressing. And then I created a matrix query. And basically the purpose of this was to set up uh, a later on a form. And also I thought that I could be clever and have that checkbox. If I clicked on it, yes or no, in the standards table, it would put the actual standard number in here. Well, that ended up not working. All I did was put yes or no in there. So I kind of outthought myself there a little bit and ended up not getting anything too, too spectacular with that query, but it does set up for a nice um, form later on. And then also this is the portfolio query. Again, very underwhelming, but you'll see in form layout how all of this uh, comes together. Now that I've hyped it up, this is the artifacts input form. And what this is, it starts off with your artifact ID, you type in the artifact name. That same hot box is there where you can start typing automatically a hyperlink. A caption, just a quick shot, what is this? Then these expanded text fields where you can type in full chunks of text. And they actually, if you fill it up, uh, one of those scroll bars will automatically appear. So you can go, I mean, you can type a dissertation into these things. That's how much information each one of these cells will be able to hold. And so these are those three reflective components, describe, analyze, and plan. And it's just that simple. And it automatically gives it an ID with every new artifact that you type in there. And this is the matrix. And so if you typed in an artifact from before, it'll appear there with a blank standard and a blank criteria. And here you can pull down these different menus to, well, what does philosophy in the classroom meet? Can't remember. Standard six. 
then uh, what specific criteria? Uh, 6A. You can check whether you have it met for sure or not. So this is a quick way that you can catalog the different criteria that you have met. And this is the creme de la creme. This is the portfolio view. This is the combination of everything. Hopefully it doesn't blow up. Let's see what happens. Here it is, the portfolio view. I took advantage of subforms. There it is. Same name, caption, expandable fields, but as a subform is the standard matrix. And so it tells you, you know, what your artifact name is, and it matches specifically with this. So you could start typing in a new one, and it'll begin charting it here, and you can actually enter in your standard criteria and whether it's been met all from this one form. So everything can be accomplished in portfolio view. It's very slick. It's very slick. And then these standards inputs, this is the one from the personal. And then standards matrix, not too exciting. Again, setting up. That's the subform for the portfolio view. In Access 2000, it doesn't store it separately. It stores it as a form still. So that's why that one's there. And then reports. Here's an artifact report. So let's say you just wanted your printout of your philosophy in the classroom. That's what it looks like. It gives you the name, the ID, the caption, describe, analyze, plan, and if you have a link. It's that simple. Just prints off your artifact reflection, basically. Then your matrix report. So let's say you get, you know, a practicing teacher who's been doing this for a long time. You're going to have a lot of artifacts. You have no idea what's been met any longer, and it's just you print this off, you can see, based upon the name, what standard addresses what criteria. And this categorizes it based upon the artifact name, which is in alphabetical order. So starting with A's, it'll work its way down. Then store these in numerical order, so you'll be able to see in one swoop, print off what artifact meets what standard to what criteria. And the Graham Poobah report is the portfolio which prints off the artifact name, the reflection, and then also what standard. So you got like a combination of all of these different forms. So depending upon what you need, you can print off these different uh, reports. So like this, I'd print this off, three-hole punch it, and turn it in for my teaching requirement here at UNI. It's just that simple. Now those terms, uh, scroll closely. Yeah. Those terms, uh, describe, analyze, and plan, where'd they come from? I don't know. I just heard him somewhere. I think, who is it? Campbell? Or is he the soup guy? Yeah. No, this is something that from Dr. Zeitz's and I work with electronic portfolios, same lingo and stuff like that, and I just try to adapt it and make it work in a database form. And it proved to be a little trickier than I first at least hoped. <laughs> Lots of. And then you would put the artifact link up there at the top? Yep, and it would, it would be that caption right there, what the link is. It wouldn't actually be the artifact itself. It would just be the, the text for the link, which travels throughout. So in this case, it might say word, you know, philosophy in the classroom dot doc. I mean, that would, it's not. I forgot. Did you have a form that looked like this? Yeah, you did, didn't you? So you had a form that, that was basically this in electronic, right? So if somebody was looking for the portfolio. Yeah. That was the portfolio there you go. view. And 
this is uh, obviously a good view, but I use this when I figured out, oh, I need to start typing some stuff in <laughs> to make sure all this works. I started inputting my stuff onto this form. And so I typed in, you know, actually don't even need to type this in because this travels from here down to here. And then I just started making up standards that I had met. And I got lucky because standard six is something about community inquiry or something. So it was, <laughs> it was a good shot too. Felt good about that. So that is it's my database. Do you plan on using that? I think so. I think it's just, I don't know. See, what I was trying to figure out and what I wrote in there was I want to see if we can get something going with like 50 states and it's all in one database. And because my dad is moving schools and he has to go from Iowa to Wisconsin or Iowa to Illinois. And so you have to link these standards together. It's just, he's, I mean, he wants to, you know, you not very happy with it. So if you have this database with all this stuff, you can just start pulling down what's Illinois have to say, what's Iowa have to say. I mean, this would be very nice for something like that. Do you ever envision of being able to convert all the different standards to different standards? That'd be kind of neat. So you have all your standards done for Iowa, and you have to convert them. Yeah. See, I, don't know. I, I think that would still be required. User would have to do that, make the connections. So. Good job. Excellent. Okay, who would like to go next? Okay. The coffee shop lady. Are the numbers still increasing on the screen there? Good. Thumbs up. My name is Callie, and I created a uh, database for my mom who just opened up a coffee shop in Des Moines, and um, she has very little technology background, so I thought this would be a good way for her to kind of make it more efficient for her. Um, she has a lot of stuff to keep track of, so in my personal database, I start off with the products or inventory list, which is this here. Um, the only thing that's really changed, I added in the supplier ID number so I could link it to uh, the supplier table um, to kind of tell where um, things are coming from, as well as I ended up putting in a product type so I could uh, end up going in and querying um, and segregating out which 
you know, products would be what type, and so I could kind of look at just that section of it. Um, so this is my supplier table. It has all the people that, there would obviously be more, but I only stuck with these few <laughs> for this, but just um, who our supplier is, where we get stuff from, and uh, ID number that's given to them, the contact person, phone number, email address, um, address where they're from, things like that. And then I also put in there um, the date that they shipped stuff to my mom and the date that we got it. So that's on there too, so you can kind of keep track of when we get things. And then I created a customer's table where um, my mom has an office in the back that she'll run out sometimes to different people that'll come in. And so um, I just put in kind of the company name and a contact person for that, um, what date they wanted the space and the time that they wanted and how much it would be for them to rent it out. And also if they ordered um, a lunch special, um, sometimes we'll have like a kind of like a, a package deal where they can get a soup and sandwich, you know, for a price versus buying each of them individually and things like that and kind of what number, how many orders they had and about what time they wanted it um, delivered to them in the office. So that was that. And a query I made was, one was just to kind of look at just the different dates um, that uh, all the people were coming in and it was just kind of categorized by just the different dates. So you can kind of look and see and plan ahead and things like that of when they're coming and what time. Um, I also just, um, one way that you can look and see is if one company comes in a lot, then my mom can track and see how often they're using um, the space and when they're coming in and things like that. And so she can do this for any um, type, but I just selected one of them to show as an example. Um, and then for products, I could query the, under the product type and just kind of look at selected um, for the lunch specials, what we have for lunches. And so you can go back and choose to do, you know, what we have for pastries, if you want, or different beverages and things like that. So those are my queries. And then a form, I created a supplier's form, which you know, I like this a lot. Um, yes, this is, that's her logo. She sent it to me. <laughs> so that's her logo there. And then it basically just has the supplier's um, name at the in the top and then their ID and then down here in the sub form it has everything that we get from them and then we can keep track of when we get it and how much we get for it and, and like the profit we'll make from each of those things so um, like these are all the things that we'll get from Cisco down here um, and then I can scroll through and go to um, go to like the second one you know she's this Virginia's the lady that makes our pastries and things like that so this is all the stuff that we get from her and how much we buy it from her and how much we make a profit we make out of that and just different things like that so that's that and then for customers this um, let's see. this one I did to look and see um, just who's coming in um, and different things and, and it's basically kind of like the query and things but 
it didn't work out exactly how I wanted it to because it just kind of recopied things down and I wasn't quite sure how to make it not do that. So that was one little thing I ran into. Um, as well as, and then the product list is just um, tells about the specific product um, and how much we're making um, from that product. And so you can scroll through just the different things like that. And you could also add on like how many we sell so you can kind of look and see how much, you know, if something's working out, if we're making money off of it versus if it's not, um, and if we need to make changes of whether or not we carry it in our store or not. And then a report um, would be uh, this here would tell me um, since our customers come in and they would rent out a space so they pay an amount for a space but also if they get um, say a um, like a lunch or something oh no sorry this that's the other one <laughs> but this one is the one that just tells us when they um, come in how often and what time and things like that so she can have a report and kind of keep track of things of when she's, people are coming in um, and then the other one was to kind of add up um, the the price of what they pay um, for coming in to rent the space out, but also like if they were to order a lunch um, and kind of have like a combined total of the profit we make from the two of that, so she kind of see as a whole how are we doing um, versus that. So that was just kind of that, I guess. And then the suppliers one it didn't work out right. <laughs> And after that, still have to look at it. <laughs> but for some reason, it didn't want to give me the option of doing a column the way I wanted it to. But basically, the idea of doing this was my mom could pull up who, kind of like the form that we had earlier of having the supplier ID, when it's coming in, when it got here, what it is, you know, and what, you know, we're getting it for and how much we're selling it for to kind of keep track of that type of stuff. So. But that was the idea of it, but it somehow just didn't really work out the way it was supposed to be. So that is that. Great. Good job. Excellent. And I think I like the way you had, you had things connected between the suppliers and the, uh, and the products. And I think that, that could be very, very fun. Yeah, because that was my main thing is like when I was writing up, you know, why I was doing this is that one thing it would be nice since she has so many different things to look at. And it'd be nice if it's kind of all in one lump sum that she can kind of, kind of go in and then kind of desegregate through that type of stuff. And, and I think the real important thing is to remember what Rob pointed out, and that was that at the very beginning, he started out saying, "These are the additional tables I want to add. I see what, what else I can do with mm -hmm. it." So this is an ongoing product. Yeah. And so <laughs> what will happen is you'll find there may be fields or certain tables that can be deleted, and other yeah. ones that need to be added, mm -hmm. and you'll, the, the process is, is really just begun. Yeah, there's a lot, as I was doing it, of I would have liked to have had it turn out different, a little bit differently and had it work a little bit easier, but I wasn't quite exactly sure of the time limit and everything. But I can definitely see where, I have like a vision of how I could see it going and where it could go with that. So, with that. Okay. Yummy. Is it in a condition to see or do you want to show it? Probably next week. Next week. Okay, you can show it to us next week. 
No problem. Of course, I can. Okay, cool. The tidings of the cash register and the internet all that. Yeah, that would be. Well, that's the key. No, well, that's what we were looking at. Like, if we do like customers and stuff, you can kind of get into cash Okay. Yeah, yeah. The re the real key would be to take that, set it up with the, the the cash register, and then then you start selling the product. Not, and I'm not talking coffee. <laughs> and you don't need the rest of your college education. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Here's here's a couple things before I, I introduce Dr. Henning. Number one, I want to remind you all of a presentation that's happening Tuesday. That's next Tuesday, and it starts at 3:30, and it will be over at 4:30, and it's called digital kids in a digital world or something along that line and what it is is it's going to be Janet Hill and you might be interested in seeing this one it's going to be up in 244 uh, 245 you know the big um, lecture hall in the center and it is going to be pr um, something uh, presented by Janet Hill who is um, a product executive for Apple for the Midwest this is a woman that I met when I was down in iTech, and I actually saw the presentation. It's great. She's dynamic. She does not have a doctorate. She has three master degrees and is an ornithologist as well as, you know, a teacher. And every, I mean, she, she's got so many th things, so many plates twirling. It's amazing. Um, but she will be speaking, and actually what she's going to be doing is she's going to be showing you all the things you can do with all the eye products that, that Apple has, you know, like iMovie and iDVD and and I, iTunes and I, yeah, 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 all, all of those, okay? And the thing is that you don't want to look at it necessarily as an Apple presentation because if you don't use Apple, you'll say, ah, I use Windows, I'm not going to do that. No, actually what you want to do is you want to look at it as a presentation about the possibilities. And this is really important, and she's really good. And so, like I said, that's going to be 3.30 next Tuesday, the 8th. And it'll be from 3.30 to 4.30. She told me it was going to be about an hour. And then at 5 o'clock, we have the UNI EdTech user group meeting, the second one. Now, Callie is a charter member because she was at the first one. And Callie and one other guy were at the first one. <laughs> we had a few people that came in and out. That's true. I'm just talking about, you know, we, we had about five, six people that kind of came in and out. But the, the, some of those people were working over in the other, other lab helping other students. So... This time we're going to be having from about 5 to 6 o'clock, we're going to have a, a, another meeting where we're, it's this, this is for anybody. Um, professors too, uh, right now what we're trying to do is we're trying to get it started with students because it's really a, going to be a student organization. And what we want to do is we want to sit down and identify, um, unfortunately uh, Janet Hill cannot come and, and meet with us because she has to go, go to another place for another presentation. But we're trying to get another uh, representative from Apple who will be in there to answer additional questions, as well as we want to do some things such as identify what the best day or date is, you know, what, what the best time and day is for us to meet once a month. What are the things we want to get done? And if you have any friends that are interested in this sort of thing, in fact, we've got one guy here who is the, the, the webmaster, and he's not in education, he's a computer geek. But he thought, this is really exciting because I get to see what kind of things are happening in education. Uh, we can make connections with people all over the nation. I mean, the, between all the professors and everybody here, we've got connections with people everywhere. There's a lot of incredible things happening here on campus as well. And so it's really your opportunity to create your organization to do what you want to do. And so that's what we're hoping to do. 
And um, and so if you're if you're interested, uh, you don't have to be an educational tech minor. And, and since we only have one undergraduate, and she is an ed tech minor, we kind of have the, the cards uh, stacked a little bit here. But if you're you know graduates as well, it'd be good to come on down and see what's happening there. So okay, any questions or anything about what's happening here? Okay. Well, then with no further ado, I will introduce Dr. John Henning who's going to come up here and tell us a little bit about what he's interested in seeing and, and seeing the process. I'm, I'm going to hook you up with a microphone, too, if we could. Right. And just think, you know, tomorrow you'll be able to go out there and listen to yourself, okay? okay. So here, hang on to that. You can put that wherever you want. All right. And I'll take this one, and I'll put it right here on your lapel. All right. There you go, and that should work pretty well. Why don't you okay. talk for a second? Oh, perfect. Okay. Great. Well, I was glad I got to see your projects because it convinced me that I really can't think the way you're thinking and I should just focus on telling you what my outcomes would be and what I need from this project <laughs> rather than try to think with you on it um, because you're seeing a lot more than I am as you click back and forth between these screens. Uh, Dr. Zeitz and I talked about this, have been talking about it since summer or so or before perhaps even what we were thinking about and this is the what where the problem comes from <coughs> teachers today are being asked more and more to look at standardized achievement tests and then use that information to um, do something in their classroom or change their curriculum or develop different teaching strategies <coughs> so I teach some methods in my ed research class or to teacher leaders for how to do that and to make it as fruitful as possible. Realizing that ITBS tests were not necessarily designed, in fact they weren't designed in order to improve curriculum, but there have been some strategies developed in the literature for using them to look at and find places where your curriculum may be weak or where a lot of students have the same issues or the same problems or there's spots in the fourth grade curriculum perhaps that aren't showing up uh, uh, as strengths and so that the school can use ITBS tests in order to improve what, what they're doing. And um, so basically, well, let me talk about the databases that are already out there. Most, I, my impression is, although this isn't what I do and I'm not expert at it, but my impression is the databases that have ITBS scores in them now are designed mainly for state reporting and for functions that really don't address what would be helpful for classroom teachers. And they don't include these three or four methods that were in the article that, that uh, Dr. Seitz showed to you or distributed to you that really are what this is about, trying to get those analyses to work. So what I would like is to design something or have a database. Yes, yes. Uh, while he's going through this, I hope you're taking <coughs> notes and those sorts of things because we want, this is what we're going to do. This is our client up here, and what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to figure out what it is he wants and what we can deliver. Right. So I, I just want to make sure we right. have into that mode. Right. And by the way, I'm, since you mentioned that, I'm real excited about this because I think it's potentially really powerful. The, the problem with the methods that are outlined in that article is they're simple. They're not hard calculations, but they're laborious. So they take a long time for teachers to go through. Teachers are already short on time. So if there was a way to speed that so they could get results like that and have a, like a map of what's going on, 
that would be really helpful. Um, so I guess what I'll do is I'll outline some of the problem and then, then you'll have to ask me questions, Dr. Zeitz will ask us to, to maybe get out things that you need to know. But what I'm going to give you is a kind of a report from the ITBS um, that actually, <laughs> it actually, well, I got two there, I think, so I get one. This actually comes from PLS. So it's real. It's real authentic. Important, folks. What you have in front of you, um, the names and stuff are out, but remember, just even the fact that this is coming from PLS, from where this is coming from is something that we need to keep quiet. Okay? Yeah. And I think I may have to edit it out. <laughs> right. And I don't know uh, if you need this to you, and you might, then I'll have to go make copies or we'll have to work out because uh, I was just thought I would show it to you so you get the idea and then we can go from there. But as you, if you look, just, I just want to show you the layout of what data is there. Uh, the number one person, then we've got at the top left those numbers like RS up here. This raw score, and then their Iowa grade equivalent, and their Iowa percentile rank, and then their national stay nine, and their national or their national grade equivalent, and their national percentile rank. I, I don't know if, if we really need all of that. Um, the national percentile rank is what we've been working on in my classes the most, and we also have used the national grade equivalent but there's a lot of information there. And we never use the raw score and we've never used the Iowa scores. So that's the kind of a decision, I suppose. But you can see there's a lot of other scores there. And I was thinking actually as you were uh, presenting, it would be useful if for each student you kind of knew what their vocabulary and their comprehension, because then that's one of the things that you want to be able to do is pick out their strengths and weaknesses. So what would be, uh, because of the different analysis that would be done, and I'm, again, I have some idea what you might do from watching you, it'd be great to have their name and then some demographic data that would be used for the analysis. I don't think we need their addresses and phone numbers and, and things like that, but I think it might be nice to know who's on free and reduced lunch and who's not because then you could sort them out as a group and say this is how our people on free and reduced lunch are doing and compared to the others. If you did it by ethnicity, you could do analyses of students, minority students, are they achieving in a comparable way to uh, uh, white students, non-minority students. Um, and then I'm not exactly sure what other, maybe even perhaps you could create blank fields that the user could decide what the sorting, you know, and they could, they could set up their own, perhaps. Uh, it might vary from school to school what's considered important in terms of sorting these students and doing analysis. Okay, so that would, so some demographic data there and these scores. And then what would be great, and I thought of this, we, one of the first ways to go about that teachers use ITBS scores is they look at their um, students and they go through this data and they do this manually I, I, I'm, uh, in data teams. But to figure out right away 
what students are way below the national average, let's say. If you knew what the national ranking was, or, or you could do it a couple ways. You could just figure out every student in Iowa, this would be very meaningful, every area they were below the 40th percentile because that's considered proficiency here. And so wouldn't it be great if you could enter all this data for your class or download it from some other database, maybe a report database, and then punch a key and it would sort it out so it would highlight maybe you say you look at you want to look at your whole class how does my class look in this area like reading comprehension and um, does the ITBS test already do that I don't know but you could flag any low areas right away now they may already do that come to think of it I think they already right so that you would know right away yes they do they do it by class right Right. Individually, they do it. Well, I was thinking as a teaching, you could do it by. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's. Now I'm just thinking about it. Maybe that would be redundant. I don't. Okay. So we could. But that would be one possible thing that could be done. This is just ITBS. So that's only one way to go about it, though. That, that I don't know whether we need that or not. Well, let's go on to the second. Uh, another way is through um, disaggregating data. And in this, definitely the ITBS doesn't do, but you could, one way to look is to group all your students, take the 40th percentile, take the 80th percentile, and you, and you group them according to who's above 80, who's between 40 and 79, or 41 and 79, let's say, or 40 and 79, and who's below 40. And then you can figure out, and then if you, if you have those demographic indicators, you can look at the percentage of white students who are not proficient, the percentage below 40, the percentage of uh, uh, African American students are below 40 and then Asian and other uh, groups. You could do it by gender perhaps. I don't know if that would be that meaningful. And you could do it by free and reduced lunch and then ideally after that if you could follow a trend and to see is the number of students above the 80 percentile growing or shrinking. So is that population being served and uh, is the number below 40% shrinking or who's being served here in terms of that. So that's one you could do. And did, need I, does it kind of got the idea for that one? So I need to say, now what would be great is, and I don't know, we, we had some preliminary conversations, but what I would like it to do is once the information is in, then all these charts just pop up and you have the percentages right there and you have the trends and perhaps maybe bar graphs would be enough but you have some, the visual right there in front of you so that the teacher there's the entering part and then looking at the results part you know and that's and there's none of the part now where they and I, I I'm, I'm working with teachers now and, and they 
recorded some of their data analysis sessions and they actually go through one by one and say, this one belongs in the 80th, this one belongs in the 40th to 79th. Well, this takes them a lot of time. And what, what it takes away from then is they spend their time doing that and not their time on developing strategies to helping this. And that's really the more important function to get on to what do we do about it instead of spending all your time going through tests one <coughs> at a time. Did you, oh, okay. So some kind of charter graph right away. All right, then another uh, one would be some kind of trend analysis where you could get an average from your class over time. Um, and there would be two ways to go about this that, that I would possibly could be done. The scores are entered and then figure the median. So there's some kind of calculation in there and just figure the median score and use that and, and trend it. And again, the teacher gets, once that's done and it's sorted and you could do it by different groups and whatnot and then you would just have a, the last three or four or five years what the median score is. There's another possibility and it depends maybe on your time and how, but uh, I think the median is the quickest and dirtiest way to do it. But there is a way to also, percentile scores cannot be averaged. That's why the median is what's used because they don't represent equal distances. Um, the scores, the percentile between the 49th and 50th are much closer um, than between the first and second. But you could convert the percentile scores, and I have a conversion table, and they're easily found on the to what's called normal curve equivalence, and then they could be averaged, and, and, and so that way you could average, and you would have averages of these normal curve equivalents, not percentiles, and so that could be interesting. It would be another way of doing it, and then they could be compared. If, I don't know that that much. If it was a choice, I think I'd rather go with the median than to go through that extra piece, but that would be, because I'm not exactly sure how efficacious it is. One reason, it's just too laborious to send somebody through a table and make all these conversions and then do, so, it, so we haven't really tried it by doing it by hand. Okay, so then you have your uh, trend lines by, so to figure it and do the trends, okay. And then there another analysis is outlined in the, is, is some kind of correlation. You could take your standardized achievement scores and you could correlate it to maybe some of this other demographic attendance. You know, can we find anything out by looking, does, is there some kind of matchup between attendance and standardized achievement or grades? De depending, again, what the user would want to do in terms of, that one's pretty open. I mean, we, we haven't used that a lot in, in class, doing it by hand. And it, 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 it involves even for you in doing it here, accessing other records, which becomes, again, involves more complexity in terms of um, doing it. So there were four things. One was identifying or comparing to the norm, which may be mainly done by the ITBS that, that's right there. And then the second one was disaggregating. Another possible, uh, another, I want to give you another take on disaggregating. In Iowa, 40th and 80th would be kind of key places. But in other states, the 40th percentile does not matter as much. And so they might look at a 25th and 75th 
So depending, or Iowa schools may want to look at 40th and 60th. So if it had flexibility for the user so that they could determine, and maybe they would, maybe if it was real easy because you made a database, they would want to flip these around and do different analyses and see how we are above the 60th and 40th to 60th and 40th to 50th if, if that was kind of built into the system. I think, I think if the more flexible it was is, the better, in terms of allowing people to do things in different ways. As a general principle, I don't know. You, I'm, I'm throwing that out because I think you may think of things that I'm not thinking of. Well, I'm just going to sit back here while. So I'm going to sit back here and let you guys ask the questions. And by the time we all leave tonight, we need to figure out what it is. And I'm using we just because I'm going to be the project manager. But you guys have to figure out what the product is, what you know, what what big things can it do, what little things can it do. And the real key here is to, to test this out and see what you've learned and how you can apply it to a school setting. So I'm going to sit back and be quiet, which is really hard for me, as you may guess. Maybe one thing we ought to do is prioritize things, given your time. I'd rather have something finished that was usable, but less bells and whistles than something unfinished that was real fancy. Where do you see this? I mean, what, what do you want us to do with this information? Are you looking for something that does all the numbers to this, or just just... I'm thinking somehow you would uh, be thinking of what kind of format or what all the different fields, if if that's that you might have to enter to create. What specific areas do you want to focus on? Do you want to, at the end of it, do you want to be able to compare and look at science scores, or do you want to focus on like math and reading? Is that what we're really focusing on? Well, if, if we were prioritizing, I would say math and reading would be what most schools are looking at. And then, um, or math and reading, then language, I suppose. Um, but once you do math, reading, and language, there's not much left because <laughs> you'd still want your cores. Um, but I think one way to cut back is to just look at maybe NPR and NGE. But for teachers, they have to deal with all of it. So, and and, to, and the idea is to be diagnostic. So you want to figure out where to spend your time. Are you looking then for a fairly simple, intuitive interface where these data teams can gather around either a fleet of laptops or a single computer and just start entering in this information and all the disaggregation, conglomeration, whatever you want to call it, happens? Yes, in the black box. Yeah, exactly. So are you looking <laughs> and then it comes out, there's a report. And they can look at it and say, this is where we're at. Do you have your heart set on like what type of software you use for that? I mean, are you looking at Excel? Because access might not be on a lot of computers. I don't know. It's not like so we don't have enough access. So, you know. so, I mean, one of the things w what we were working on up there was Microsoft Access, which is mm -hmm. one of the programs that can do all this. I think it depends what do you think schools are using. Yeah. The schools, whatever they have. 
So that makes that makes those secondary questions you're asking about demographics, grades, attendance, even moving down to science. That makes complexity all that much more with Excel as opposed to access, which is a separate column. Mm -hmm. Well, here's my, it, it needs to be usable by schools. I mean, if we have a database here and no one can use it in a school, it's, it's not, so that's that's the customer here. One of the things, that we have about three weeks to do this. Yeah. And we haven't done much in this class on Excel. Now, I know we've got a couple people that have used Excel a lot. Um, and actually, as far as something that you're going to be able to use in all the different schools and things like that, I'm pretty sure we're not going to get that done in three weeks. Okay. And so what we're doing here is we're trying to get something, you know, you and I talked okay. about how this would be something we, we're just exactly. testing things right. out, sticking our feet in the water. Right. And, I mean, if, if they find that Excel is the only thing to use, we, we could create a database, and a certain amounts of, of that data could be exported to Excel to, to do certain kinds of graphs and charts. I knew I couldn't be quiet. Oh, you. But, but I'm, I'm just yeah. saying that what I. What well, you have to talk about the course requirements. Right. Yeah. What, what we need to do is take a look at what the scope is that we can right. achieve in three weeks. Right. And right. So, Agreed. Um, I think. I think. Like I said, as far as trying to make it so it'll fit, not what we what we're going to create for you is something that will run on computers that are in this in this uh, building, as well as other buildings that would have, and we're going to assume that they have the office suite on a Windows machine. Okay. Okay. And like I said, right. later on maybe we'll, 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 we'll okay. in a couple of years we'll do other things, but I think that okay. would be the more realistic way to look at it. Good. I want to be realistic. I'd like to have a product okay. at the end. Good. Yeah. Okay. Let's get it completed. Well, I'm, I mean, either one. Um, what I'm saying is that you just learned, you spent yeah. 11 weeks learning how to use Access. Well, we uh, you, need, you need to create an Access right. database well, I mean, part of this. Right. I mean, we can do a number with access. The stuff that Dr. Ames is talking about, I mean, seriously, can be done rapidly and quickly and yeah. very usable interface. You know, and it's like we don't know. Maybe you know more than I do. Probably, well, you definitely do. But um, maybe it'll be very workable in access. I mean, maybe we'll get a lot of use out of it. I mean, that'll be part of trying it out too. Is that once it's you have something. I start showing it in my classes, you know, or, or what, however it works, however it's supposed to work. And if somebody's interested in it and they say, well, I've got a machine, and who knows? And then, and then from that, maybe things could be learned that will go into the next evolution of this. Yeah, and and you know this isn't going to be like the teachers aren't going to sit around doing this. When you're done with it, they're just going to look at the printouts. So if there's one computer, or one or online or one way to do it, that's all that'll be needed. I think. I don't think we have to train every teacher to do this. So it so. would be entering the, entering the data if we gave them a product. Probably a teacher. It would be nice if it was a secretary. <laughs> I don't see the secretary doing it. They usually work for the principal.
I asked my principal if he could ever get ITBS results in an Excel or anything like that. He didn't really know. He's only got paper copies. Right. So that would right. be something where they could take it, mesh it in there, and then the teachers basically tell what do we want to compare, what do we want to contrast, and then they produce. Yes. That would be great. No, that's, that would be great. We can set up a blank system with everything that you can imagine. Now, we can set up the addresses and the states and the zips and the ethnicities and the weight and the height. Right. And, you know, the genomes. The we can right. set up all that yeah. stuff. Uh, but, you know, we, we may not have that information still. But we can set up a structure. So, you know, basically... A where it could be filled out. Yeah. I think that would be I good. Mean, yeah, with all the crazy stuff. Right. That'd be good. So that they could sort, yeah. So they could put in what they wanted and then sort it. Right. Now, will you have um, directions on it or will there be text, supporting text? Yes. Well, if you can put all that blank structure, then it wouldn't be too hard to run correlations because all you'd have to do is somehow tie those fields together, right? That's, that, you know what I mean? Yeah, the only thing we need to work on as a group, just to be open about this, we do the running, you're looking to get, throwing it out the standard deviation types of numbers, you know, more advanced calculations, that would be something that we need to look into. But beyond that, these are real simple. simple yes. They're just figuring out the median and figuring out then saying, okay, here's how many are below the 40th percentile. The total percent is this. So you have 50% of your students are below 40th percentile, 10% are below 80th percentile. And then when you go to this year, you went up 15% or above the 80th, and only 35% or below the 40th. So you can track your progress. It's easy calculations. It's laborious uh, in terms of pulling it off sheets of paper. So if you don't, if you don't compare to the, the first method in that article is compare to the norm, and if that's already done by ITBS, let's make that a low priority because but the next one is disaggregating data that's below and above the 40th and 80th the other one is figure the mean and, and do the trends and the third one would be correlating where you could take 
your ITBS and match it to other data. If, if you could uh, do graphs, create graphs, and it would be interesting what kind of graphs. I, I think trends would work with line graphs best. But the other, the 40th and 80th, might work better with bar. Huh? But I'll leave it to what you, I'll be interested to see what you think. Can you bring it up? Right, uh, I think so. And now our, our, our ICDP, our professional development plans, have to be data-based. Right. So I have to have numbers. And so here right. I am trying to make an Excel that's showing these different assessments I'm giving and what the trend is. You know? Right. It's crazy. Well, then you could put that together with this. Because you'd have yeah. your own assessments and then you'd have this. And then, and, then, and then when parents come in, you know, you could start showing them these charts and graphs and stuff. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hmm. So how do you guys want to approach this? Well, one thing I would, uh, I'm, I need to have those back, but you might want to let me know what you need from me in terms of materials. I mean, I can come back and talk to you again if needed. Um, so when you uh, look at this ITBS thing, okay, as, as the demographics, we have for demographics, we have their age, and we have, you know. But well, we're not actually entering this data. Yeah, the demographics here are not, I think, that relevant. And so we're not really going to actually be entering this data. We're going to be basically building a, a template so people could enter this type of data. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, for your purposes, I don't, you'd run enter enough to run a little test yeah, on exactly. it. That's it. No, you don't have to enter it. Yeah, we could. We could make them up. Or better yet, we could use the one in my class. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, get, I got, you know, math, reading, science, I have all of there. No, I think that would be a, a kind of a cool secondary outcome if you took it and used it at your school. Yeah, I would like. Because yeah. You know, oh, here's something that ITBS doesn't do. If you, uh, but I, I don't know if you. Here's another conceptual thing that might be more challenging. Can I go and make a copy of one of these pages so we know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Right. No. No, I know. Right. Here's what is done. Maybe doing done at your school would be interesting, but it, you can't get this from the ITBS score. Is that? Uh, if you did have this, so you had all your third graders and fourth graders and fifth graders score, and then somehow you could do a calculation where you would kind of find, look for a pattern of like 
is science? Where, where, what grade, you know? I'm trying to think if ITBS does, but it, to see if you could detect holes in the curriculum by doing some kind of sort that would say, okay, we want a report of know, everything below the 40th percentile across, across grade levels. Because schools do that now. They look through and they say, okay, where are we, where are there a lot of students who are low and does it reflect that third grade is not teaching this particular thing? Yes, yes. Because so the, well, the information I get always years, all the time is that your eighth graders this year did so much better or so much worse than eighth graders last year when comparing two different students. Let me, let me suggest something that might be an idea. Like at the end of it, you created like a chart with blocks on it with uh, math, science, and whatnot. And you'd have, you'd do some kind of calculation that would say, okay, if more than 60% of the students are in below the 40th percentile, you put an X in this block. And then you have, at the end, you do a printout and you look at all the X's where there's a high level of, maybe you let the user set the standard and you just have this printout for third through seventh grade, here's our ITBS and here's where there's a lot of people who are not proficient in these kind of places. And right away, the whole faculty can see, bang. There's, there's where our highest level of non-proficient. But when you think about it, you have to think that there are going to be some schools like Cedar Falls who are going to have very low numbers of non-proficient students. And some schools like Waterloo, they're going to have elementary schools that are have very high levels of non-proficient. So you'd have to, that, that number I think would vary depending on where you're at in terms of what you saw as a weakness. Like having more than 20% non-proficient might be very weak at Cedar Falls where it might be more like 50% at Waterloo. Or maybe there's some kind of relative thing. Pick out the four highest and chart them or something. I don't know. That would be very functional and effective. So there's a graph at the end with those X's on it. Or maybe something more creative than an X. A big red flag. <laughs> with a horn. Who are proficient? No, no, just just the number itself, regardless of what weight you put on it, just not. It's just numbers as far as like my example, like uh, student proficient. Yeah, student proficient three, four, five. 
students proficient African American socioeconomic freedom, all of that stuff. Like what are the numbers that you need? So like I, what what do we normally report to the state? There we go. What what numbers what numbers yeah. would they feel to, that they need to be responsible for? What categories, what subcategories, what um, what group of guys do they want to be able to look at and then say, okay, these are our weaknesses, now let's focus on those because we have to report those out. So like but I'm not worried about reporting anything worried, out. No, but, but no reports. Like it's all relative is what I was saying. It's going to go from, at least if I'm not missing it, it just depends on the school what's going to be a strength or a weakness. Oh, yeah, yeah the decision, that's second. Right. We're talking about the analysis part. Like what numbers do you want us to analyze? Do you want us, and if there are 15 numbers that every school needs to... Oh, well, the scores would have more to do with math and reading are going to be your priorities in this analysis. So like and I guess I would go from total, I would do, if again, if you had to prioritize... Prioritize their total reading score and their total math score, and then if we could do analysis, breaking it down into computational and all of those kind of things, do those secondary. That's, I just want to say we could do a crazy number on this thing and make it all, you know, like I said, you know, speed, whatever you want to do. But I just don't want to leave like a whole like that actual school need like socioeconomic <laughs> based on reading. You know, <laughs> might not miss that, but are there like a set of 15 scores in every? I'm not connecting with, so I'm just going to say no. I'm not. And I think, I think, I think his vision is that no matter what grade level you're teaching at, you should be able to get some useful information from whenever we produce so that you can make changes in the curriculum. Right. First grade, second grade. Right. I think if you had a way so that, that no matter what grade level you taught, you could hear that information and see basically the big picture. Okay. Right. Does that make sense? In that last piece that I described. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get, which I get what everyone okay. is saying. Okay. I just, I'm doing a poor job on my end trying to no, articulate no. what I'm trying right. to... But remember, it's not about reporting to the state. Yeah. Don't care about that. Yeah. They've already got databases to do that. This is for teachers. Okay. This is for the teachers. Right. And their curriculum. That right. That's the priority. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, it'll be really, uh, I'll really look forward to it. If you get something <laughs> developed, it'll be great. Yeah, if you're, if you're, yeah. Because, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. Yep. Okay.
identifiers, get a number or whatever. But you probably, I mean, they're probably going to want to look at SES and they're going to want to look at testing. But I guess we need to talk about what we feel is important. And then did you identify which of these? Could, could you circle? I know it's a state plan. Could you circle yeah. the scores you want them to deal with? You're talking about uh, well, we talked about uh, pr setting priorities, and we decided the priority would be the uh, NPR, NGE, and then I would start with totals as a priority first. Oh, you know, this is the ITED, so that's, you know, <laughs> would be better if we went with the ITBS, okay. because I think this has more play at the elementary level. Um, okay, so, so, but anyway, uh, they're probably pretty close, but I think they're a little bit different. See, they, they're arranged a little bit different. Well, the ITBS is going to give you a much better quality uh, or, or more specific um, right. scores that you can use. And the elementary teachers are the more likely ones to be doing this. Okay. The, they're further ahead than secondary. Then if you had to choose, I would go with Total reading, total language, total math, and core total, and composites. Composite would be where? Uh, oh, composite yeah. at the end. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rather, and then, and then the secondary data is breaking it down into vocabulary, comprehension, spelling, capitalization. So if there were right. limits, let's do. When the, uh, why not do them by how? The, which ones are grade? And, and you want the IPR? The grade, the, the gray section. What, what does IPR stand for? Iowa percentile ranking. ranking. It's going to be close. Yeah, okay. I think the national is more relevant, more what people are more likely to talk about. Okay. They're going to be very close. Okay. NPR. Okay. Good. And then we have. Um, can I? Can we voice your uh, your email on on the recording? If they want to get in touch with you, yes. how do you get in touch with you? Yes, you can email, and I said I will come and back. Your email to address is John dot Henning at whatever. U N I dot I do. <laughs> 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 At least I knew my name. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Good. Hey, can we hang on to this? Uh, I'll make a comment. Yeah, and I'll just send it yeah, just okay, send it back. back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So you guys got it all figured out? Oh yeah. Okay. It's done already. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the help. We appreciate it. Sure. You. Hey, thanks for doing it. I'm, it's really exciting. I mean, if you, if you get it, I think it would be a really practical, valuable tool. It's a good team. We'll make it work. And so what we're looking at is three weeks from today, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be talking with you about this and getting feedback. And, yeah. and yeah. since this is a, a client re, um, relationship, that means they're going to be coming to you with their ideas as time goes on. And three weeks from tonight... Um, I think that's the week after Thanksgiving, then we should have a product. Okay. Okay? Great. That sound about right? Do you have access or Excel on your computer? Do you have access or Excel on, on your I computer? Have, I have Excel. If you, you have... Microsoft. Well, yes, it's Office. And actually, what you might do is check... You, you may have access as well. I have a Mac. Oh, that's going to be a problem. Well, actually, well, you can just look on another computer. Yeah. Okay. And actually, it turns out that, did you hear that the dean bought... I won't be able to use this on my computer. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe next time we'll, we'll do FileMaker and you'll be able to do that sort of thing, okay? But I, this time we're using Access. All right. Um,
Okay, and, uh, and it, the dean actually bought um, licenses for everybody in the building to have Microsoft Office. And so if you need an upgrade, you can simply go talk to your department head, and oh. then they will provide you with an upgrade if you want to upgrade. Okay. You'll be, are you using 2004 for Mac right now? Um, okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, then you're yeah, all set. You don't have to worry about yeah. that. I, already, I spent my $27 for the, the license before that he, w he got so oh, generous. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you very thank much. You. Thanks. Okay, team, what do you say we take a break? It's uh, 7.36. We'll take a, want to take a 15 or 10 minute break? What do you want? 10 minute break? Half hour, 40 minutes. Half hour, 40 minutes. That sounds good. Okay. Just, 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 just a second. It, it's, a, it's a 10 minute break and it's going to be, we're, this is a group project. Group project. And we have to figure out tonight, we need to figure out what needs to get done. We need to be able to split up the project. Uh, we've got two people out in TV land that we want to involve in this as well. And so what we need to do is, is figure out what the different parts are and the, those sorts of things. Okay? So we'll come back uh, in 10 minutes. Right now it's 7.37. I'll see you at 7.45. We're, we're back here and we're, we're now going to be doing some brainstorming and, and coming up and identifying what uh, we're going to be doing with this database for Dr. Henning. When we're done with this discussion, you know, within about an hour, what we want to have is we want to have an identification of all the requirements. In other words, what is it that he wants us to deliver to him? Um, we need to identify what kind of things are going to go in it and, and, and who's going to be responsible for those different parts. And we have two students who are off campus, and we will want to incorporate you into this as well. And so what we're going to have to do is probably set up, uh, what, what would be the best way for us to have online discussions? Any ideas? You can, you can lead the, the discussion and think of what, what kind of data that we collect. Probably we can report. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking the technology. What kind of technology should we have? Because this is not going to be something where we can wait until Tuesday for a Thursday class to get your work done. This has to be something that's going to be continuous working and, and communicating with one another. Okay, that's going to be real important yeah, that you're you keeping. A discussion group? Yeah. Okay, so I'll set up a discussion group in, in WebCT, and that'll be the, the Henning Project. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. It's got a sketchy name, but the Henning Project. I think that would be wonderful. Bum ba da dum bum 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 bum. Delicious. The Henning Project. Da 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 da. Anyway, this is just way too much.